Today's episode of In the Trenches is brought to you by System 12 Guitar Method. Sign up today at RyanRoxy.com. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of In the Trenches. I am your host, Ryan Roxy. What is happening, everybody? As you file into the live chat, this is going to be a big one today. I appreciate you guys all for listening on the audio broadcast, which is Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as uh, Facebook and whatever other platforms. But the one platform, YouTube, where we have our live chat and you guys show up every single week, week in and week out. That's where we want you. That's at the at Ryan Roxy official YouTube channel. And there is a subscribe button or a like button if this is your first time watching the podcast. So hit that button right there. Hit that subscribe button. It really does help us get uh, eyes on the podcast and keep growing and growing and keep carrying the torch of rock and roll, if you will. Like I said, today's show is personal. It's great. I'm excited. Are you guys ready? Let's go. Our guest today is a key member of one of the biggest hard rock heavy metal bands ever. Uh, they have 400 million subscribers, 400, 4 million subscribers on YouTube, and the music video for the song titled Wind of Change just hit a billion views. This is our first guest with over a billion views on one of their videos. The band is, of course, The Scorpions, and their first album was released 51 years ago yesterday. 51 years ago, yesterday, their first album. I have a deep personal interest in today's podcast because the Scorpions were the first band that took me on my first legit big rock tour when I had just joined the Alice Cooper band way back in 1996. Sold out amphitheaters and uh, my leaving my ears ringing nightly. <laughs> the reason why I do wear in-ear uh, <clears throat> monitors to this day, but... Uh, that was the taste of what my touring life was about ready to become back in those days in 96. So to talk about all those good times and the Scorpions continued 2023 Rock Believers Tour of the world and elsewhere, please welcome into the trenches, the voice and the man who fronts the iconic Scorpions, Mr. Klaus Mina. Hello, Klaus. Hi, there Ryan. you, there hey. you go. <laughs> I, Thanks for having me on the show. Well, thank you for showing up. Thank you for being a part of it. Um, I just got to say, like I said, thank you for taking us on that tour. And uh, way back in 96, both you and Alice, uh, it was a great amphitheater tour. And it was my first time, really the big time, you know, and uh, I, wasn't li yeah. I wasn't lying when I had those ringing ears. <laughs> I think when we just recently played the United States, we're passing one of the gigs uh, you know, or you remember the, the Gorge? Yes, yes, the Gorge in uh, up in Washington, up in Washington yes, State. We were just passing by. We had a little stopover. We said, "Oh, we gotta go out to see this." You know, we have we have been here like such a long time ago uh, when we played together with Ellis. You know, it's such a beautiful gig. And, it is uh, a beautiful gig. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, that have been that tour you're talking about. Yes, um, the thing was. I, I also mentioned in-ear monitors because I think we all wear them those day, you know, nowadays. But back in that tour in those days, I think we were all still playing off of regular monitors, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. When did you, when did you make that switch uh, in in the band, the Scorpions? Because it, it had to have been loud since day one, since you joined the band. When did you finally make that switch to in ear monitors? I think I've been using the big wedges for way too long. I'm sure, you know, because you know it when you you're on that stage next to Rudolf and Matthias for so many years, you know. It blows your your ears away, you know. And uh, so I did this for quite a long time, and I think, yeah, well, it must be ten years or so uh, that I started uh, using in ears, you know. And it's such a blessing, you know. You have a great sound everywhere, wherever you play, and it, it doesn't matter, you know. So, but back in those days, you know, it was. In all this chaos, they came out of these big speakers on stage, you know. <laughs> it was like, all right, get it up, get it up. I need, I need some more high end, you know. And I, I'm sure the guy did you know, put me on some more high end, you know. But that's what, what killed my, my ears in the long run, you know. So, But it's good. Right, I still can hear you, my friend. <laughs> that is good. That is very good that we're able to talk back and forth and not scream and go, how are you doing, Klaus? No, it's it's all Why? good. <laughs> but are there there are some old school holdouts. Um, I know that Joe Perry that plays in a band with Alice called the Hollywood Vampires. I know that he's very re reluctant to this day. So he still has wedges on stage. Do you guys as a Scorpion still tour with wedges or is that all a thing of the past now? No, it's been pretty much in the past, you know, everybody's on Indias and uh, we have a great monitor guy, you know, he's doing a brilliant job every night. And so I mean, we have a great crew, you know, without our crew, we would be lost, you know. So it's a major point, you know, when you go out there, you have to have the right crew, people around you, making sure you sound great up front and you have a great sound on stage, wherever you go, you know, and and... And our crew, they make us feel good, you know. So we go out there. They do the sound check in the afternoon. And by the time we get on stage, you know, it's all perfectly set up, you know. And thanks to our, our crew. And uh, then we go out and rock you guys like a hurricane, you know. <laughs> Spoken like a true professional, giving the crew the credit they deserve. I love it. And you mentioned about that was years ago. Well, that's good to know that uh, we have to go back to get forward for a little bit more of your history. What do you say, Mr. Vic Chalfont? Now let's go back to get forward. There is so many things I could do a podcast on every era of the Scorpions. Um, so I'm basically just going to cherry pick just out of the decades. And I want to go back really quickly to, um, I believe, your infatuation, your love for all the British bands that came out back in the 60s. And one of the first bands you were in was called The Mushrooms. And now, now, did those British bands have any fluent influence on those bands? And which were your favorite British bands that came out during that era? Because there's a nice picture of the uh, mushrooms right there. I tell you, I mean, back in the 60s with the mushrooms, my first band, one of the bands uh, we did a lot of covers, you know, was The Who, you know, because they're, I mean, amazing rock band, fantastic songs. You know, but also very melodic, you know, 
and uh, they were like a, a great band to, to follow up. And we did our shows uh, at the weekend, playing five to six hours with little breaks in between, you know, like the Beatles did at the Star Club in Hamburg at the time. Exactly. You know, you to play the whole night, mostly cover versions. And with us, it was like the Who, the Kings, some Beatles, some Stones, you know, but uh, the Who was one of my favorite bands uh, to to do covers, you know, when we played our little little gigs out in the countryside. Uh, people came, basically, I, I mean, the audience, they didn't ca came to see the band. It was like they wanted to dance. <laughs> but we had a good time, you know, and after 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and we had a little break, and then we kept going for hours and hours and hours. I tell you, it was it was a good school for a singer, you know, to train your your vocal pipes, you know. Yeah, it's and cool. how and and now hot in that and how not to overuse it, I can imagine as well. Um, also, during that time, I know that a lot of German bands would release the music in the German language, but since the inception, um, you were the Scorpions when you joined the Scorpions. Uh, you were singing from English from the beginning. Now, was that a foresight for an international career? Did you have your sights set on things bigger than Germany from the get-go when you joined the Scorpions? I mean, Rudolf Schenker, he, he did from the very beginning, I think. It was almost like the first time I, I met with Rudolf. You know, so he was on this whole thing. One day, you know, we hopefully we are one of the 30s biggest rock bands in, in the world, you know. And uh, to sing in English, you know, being a German band, <laughs> there were many people laughing at us, you know. And uh, But our dream, you know, to become an international band was right there with the decision singing in English. If we would have started singing in German, you... Ryan, you never would have heard of us, you know, right. and the rest of the world the <laughs> same. And I never would have gotten been able to get on that tour in '96. So thank you, whatever whatever who album it was or whatever uh, Rudolph had in his mind that that big plan that that big picture plan. Thank you for uh, doing it in the English language because it did give us the Scorpions. A lot of people don't realize that uh, you joined the band uh, probably what was it six five or six years after its inception because there were thick our producer had a picture of the original there it is the original scorpions and then you joined it how many years afterwards oh well pretty much five years after that you know i was no new year's eve 69 to 70 that i joined the scorpions together with uh, rudolph's brother michael you know, we were actually, we were supporting uh, the Scorpions that night, playing a gig outside of Hanover, some some club, you know, and it was like a New Year's Eve gig. And I mean, Michael was like, at the time, he was 15, 16 years old. He was an amazing guitar player. And by the time we had our rehearsal rooms uh, uh, in the same building, in those days, you know, and, and Rudolf, his band was already like they had huge equipment, you know, <laughs> they had great gigs. You know, the most important thing in those days was where do we play next weekend and how can we manage 
not to play only at the weekend. Hopefully we can do get a couple of gigs throughout the week, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we had to manage ourselves to 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 talk to club owners, you know, that they book us at the weekend or at the Wednesday night, you know. So and Rudolf was listening what was going on next door with his brother Michael. And hey, since the Scorpions had no singer in those days, you know, so it was like, oh, it's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And they and they corralled you both in to yeah, the exactly, you know. So Rudolf had a plan and uh when their guitar player at the time, Uli Vorobeck, uh, left the band, uh, so he was looking for his brother to join the Scorpions. And like I said, there was no singer really uh, in the band. And I think he liked what when he heard us playing with Copernicus. It was the name of uh, the band I, I was together with, with Michael. And we were on our way as well, you know, playing good gigs like in Hamburg or in Berlin, you know, so, and it was a smart move from Rudolf to, to bring his brother and his singer in at the same time. But that was New Year's Eve, 69 to 70. I love it. And then it took, a, then it, then you guys honed your craft. You worked on it. You worked on the band for, which a lot of bands wouldn't do in today's musical environment because everything has to happen real quick, but it took you two years and you recorded and released Lonesome Crow, literally your the, the, your first album singing with, with the uh, Scorpions in 1972, 51 years ago, exactly yesterday. How does it feel for that? Can you remember when that album was released 51 years ago? Of course. I mean, it was like a dream come true. I mean, when, when uh, Michael and me joined the Scorpions, I think that's when we started writing uh, our own material. Uh, of course, we're still at those gigs. We played cover versions from all those bands. Like we started also playing cover versions uh, of Led Zeppelin, you know, and uh, Michael was so much into Led Zeppelin or a band from Ireland called The Taste, you know, so, but then there was a time, the early seventies when we started writing our own material. And when we had the chance uh, to to go into a real studio like in Hamburg, the Star Studio. We ran into Connie Plank, who used to work with bands like Kraftwerk at the time. And he liked uh, the Scorpions, he liked our sound. And we were like a rough diamond, you know, we, mm -hmm. there was no, it was between psychedelic, between hard rock, between everything you know we were wide wide open and uh we're just influenced by all those mostly british bands and so when you listen to lonesome crow of course we were totally proud mm -hmm. when you hold your, your first album in your own hands you know <laughs> i just remember driving in my car and i heard a song uh from lonesome crow i think it was uh uh it was, I'm going mad. Uh, I, I stopped the car, I hit the brakes, you know. <laughs> I stopped and it was like, wow, almost had a heart attack. I listened to your own voice coming out of the radio, you know. Nothing like the first time, Klaus. I love it. And, and you know what? 19 albums later, 
19 albums later, folks, that are listening now. If you're just joining us to the podcast, Klaus Meinert from the band Scorpions, uh, talking about his iconic career with the band Scorpions and so much more. Thanks for joining in our podcast. 19 studio albums. I don't even know how many live albums and how many different compilations. It has to be up close to 100 at least now if you add everything but 19 studio albums their latest being rock believer released in 2022 so um i want to talk a little bit about because i'm looking at it uh the discography and it seems like you guys are putting out an album either every year or almost every two years at that point because you know right after lonesome crow in 74 comes flight of the rainbow then you know 1975 right after that in trance then virgin killer 76 taken by force in 77 love drive in 79 these are all in animal magnetism in 1980 i mean album after album was was there any time to rest or was it just studio touring studio touring yeah absolutely you know but we were young we were hungry you know and uh, we wanted to play everywhere <laughs> and when we met with Dieter Dirks our legendary producer uh, he actually celebrated his 80th birthday yesterday <laughs> and I called him and it was nice to to talk to him and brings back so many memories in the days around 75 there he is you know, we, you it. came to see our show last year in Athens, uh, yeah. where you played with Alice as well, right? We played together. We were all there. And I, I believe that picture is from Athens because I know Athens when I see it. It's always right. sunny and it's up there yeah. uh, it's, at the Parthenon. Yeah. It's taken at a beautiful place called Cape Sunio. And yeah, this was the day after the show before we left for Tel Aviv, I think. Uh, and uh, yeah, with Dita, with so many great memories, and I talked to him yesterday to say all the he best for his birthday. So his birthday. So his birthday, his birthday was the date that your album was released as well, because it had because you just celebrated the fifty-one year anniversary of the album. So there it is, and, that, and that's nice. Maybe a coincidence that we didn't know. Serendipity. Yeah. So, but within trance, there was seventy-five. You know, we started this amazing run, uh, this amazing journey with Dieter being our producer uh, from in trance 75 up to uh, 78 uh, or 88, 80, not 78, 88 uh, with Savage Amusement. You know, so we had a long, long run and very successfully. He managed to get us to Japan, you know, where we recorded our first live album, Tokyo Tapes, you know, so... And whenever we came back from, from the tour, we went back in the studio, a little city outside Cologne here in Germany. And uh, yeah, we spent a lot of time there writing songs, making albums. And then when, when the release date came close, you know, then most of the time the next day we started another tour. Right and off on the bus, right? Getting right on the bus. We came to America for the first time in 79 then that was like a love affair with our american fans uh from the very beginning and we spent so much time on the road and it was so inspiring you know to to come for the first time to new york city to chicago you mm -hmm. know la all these places and to discover 
the U.S. through the tour bus window, you know. It's great. It was so inspiring to write songs like The Zoo uh, and The Rock You Like a Hurricane, of course. So it was such a huge inspiration, you know. And to come mm -hmm. back to Germany, right into the studio. Back in the studio. And, uh, yeah, and it worked out very well. And this was the foundation for this worldwide career uh, that in the early 80s we became part of the international family of rock. Well, speaking of studios, we should give a quick shout out because they helped out a lot today with today's broadcast. Peppermint Park Studios, which you're in right now, uh, beautiful studio. I thought, you know, that's not that's one of the best green screens around, but it's no green screen. That is for real. That is a real studio console. Everything that Klaus is uh, uh, sitting in front of. Uh, big shout out to Peppermint Park Studios and just a little uh, fact there that that's where you guys recorded the latest record. Uh, Rock yes. Believer. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, when the pandemic hit hit us hard, you know, going from lockdown to lockdown. It was a tough time for, for everybody. And uh, so, but we said, okay, we've been around for a long time. And so we, we should not complain about, we cannot play concerts. We've been on the road constantly in the last 10 years. So yeah. maybe it's good to slow down a bit, but the best thing was that we started writing new songs, you know, and then we came here, Peppermint Park, at home, our home base in Hanover, and we closed the door, the studio door, to leave the cruel reality with all the COVID-19 stuff pretty much outside and mm -hmm. try to stay on our feet. You know, Mickey came in from Sweden, yes. Mickey D, Pavel Machivoda from Poland. Sometimes they had, they had to go into quarantine, you know, before they could join us here. Uh, but it was, uh, a blessing almost like music therapy in those demanding times to create new music and a new album and uh when rock believer was ready to go last year in uh in march we started a, a tour in the us we started a residency in vegas that was postponed twice because of the pandemic you know and it was yeah. so great after this long break, you know, to be back out on the road again. And I Did mean, you finally ended up doing that, that uh, residency. Didn't you do like nine nights or something like that there? Yeah, we did nine shows at the Planet Hollywood, Zappos yeah. Theater. Uh, and we stayed almost four weeks in Vegas. And, you know, it was like the feeling was coming from Europe in Vegas. It was almost like before the pandemic, you know, <laughs> nobody was wearing masks anymore. And we were back. I thought, geez, when we go to America and play our shows, to stand in front of a couple thousand people every night and you go like, come on, sing along. No, it's like, please don't sing, you know, it's too dangerous. <laughs> but it, it was amazing. Uh, and Vegas treated us really nicely. And after this long break, uh, but with a new album and new songs we could offer and we put in a new set list, you know, it was fantastic. And uh, the end of the tour last year, uh, the last show was also in Vegas when we played uh, the Mandalay Bay Arena, the Michelob Arena 
And uh, so we played 10 shows in Vegas last year, but also a long <laughs> tour in the US and Canada. And uh, it was fantastic to play our fans again and to be alive, you know, after this. I remember I saw some of those dates and I, I remember that uh, I think uh, Whitesnake was supposed to be um, supporting you on those dates. And yeah. I, unfortunately, David uh, was, was feeling sick. And because and, we just had Reb Beach on the uh, podcast just a couple of weeks ago on the In the Trenches podcast. But I remember waiting, you know, saying, man, I hope we get the call. I mean, I feel bad that White Snake can't do the tour, but I, I hope that we can get the call for that tour because I wanted to go back out with you guys because we had said we had such a good show in Athens, Greece. I mean, we played this really great stadium. It was a great show. Uh, the the crowd was really into it. I mean, I'm going to go down. I, I told you right before the the taping that I'll be down in. Uh, Greece and Athens next week. So maybe there's something you want me to say to the Greek fans on behalf of Klaus Meiner? <laughs> With the Greek fans, it was love at first thing, you know, all the way back. And, you know, I mean, when you have the privilege to be up on stage as an artist and play concerts in Greece, you know, then you know what it feels like, you know, to go out there and feel those emotions, you know. I mean, I tell you a story. When we played like years and years ago in Thessaloniki, I think, and there was a guy, they are so emotional, you know, which is great. And yeah. there was a guy standing in front of the stage. He was crying, you know. He was totally going crazy. He was crying and his girlfriend or his wife, I, I don't know, or his sister, you know, she looked at me the whole time going like, Klaus, do something, do something. Look at look at him. What are you doing to him? Look, do something, you know? And I went like, what can I do? You know, there's nothing I can do. And it was your voice that was doing it to him, I think. We had a press conference in Athens, you know, and I told this story because they said, so what is so special between the Scorpions and the fans in Greece, you know? And I told this story of the guy being so emotional in front of the stage and there's one of the journalists standing up say that was me <laughs> that's perfect well the, the other thing is you have one of their own now because you have mickey d i know nicky d is swedish he lives in sweden yes. but he's about as greek as they come because mickey, yes absolutely look at that he looks like zeus he looks like Zeus right there, and, and he's def definitely a Greek god behind the drums. So it must feel good to have, you know, uh, it must feel great to have Mickey D behind the drums backing you guys up. Absolutely. You know, Mickey, is, he's a great guy and fantastic drummer, you know. He really, when he joined in 2016, he uh, gave us really a fresh shot of energy, you know. And uh, this album, Rock Believer, we did right here. Just around here, yeah. and that yeah, was his first. That was his first album with you guys, right? His first album with us, and he gave it all he's got, you know, and so much power, energy, and so much fun, you know. We enjoyed uh, so much to make this album. Anyway, it was really like, oh, like I said, it was a blessing in those dark times with the pandemic, uh, but we had so much fun here working on this record because we wanted to re reactivate the scorpion's dna whatever that is you know <laughs> uh, and it, it was a lot of fun to be all together and play those new songs 
like a band, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it was fantastic. And, well, looking yeah. at those album covers, Klaus, you know, looking at that last album cover for Rock Believers, um, I can see that you're asking what the DNA is. In, in my opinion, my humble opinion, the Scorpions, the DNA has pretty edgy lyrics over the years, but you also had some, a few album covers that would maybe get you canceled in today's world. Like, right. I, I see the the reason why the new album cover, it, it has this little diaphanous. You have a sheet over the girl and this and that, but albums like Virgin killer love drive. Maybe they might get you in a little bit of, of trouble these days, <laughs> but I'm glad they didn't because back in those days, you guys got awards. You got the awards for being the best artwork by the esteemed Playboy magazine. How have you guys approached cover album artwork over the years? I mean, when the CD came up, you know, and when we we lost the vinyl records, you know, so most a different format. The CD was much smaller, so we still were in love with working with great artists who come up with fantastic ideas for artworks. Sometimes it was fantastic. Sometimes it was very controversial and sometimes it was over the edge. Absolutely. There's some albums looking back now, like Virgin Killer would be a total no-go today, of course. <laughs> but with uh, Blackout, with Helmwine, fantastic artists. Love it first thing. Uh, we had the session for, for the artwork with Helmut Newton in Paris, you know, legendary photographer was wonderful to work with this legendary guy. It's uh, art. It definitely yeah. is art. Yeah. And we were, were close to working with Andy Warhol. You know, we were, it just. Really? It you were close to working with, 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 was there a certain album that he was interested in doing or, or how did that uh, work? Out? It was just uh, second half of the eighties, I think. Like after World War Life and uh, we wanted to go and follow this route with working with great artists like like Helmwein, Helmut Newton, and go to it was it would have been the next step, you know, yeah. to work with Andy Warhol. It didn't work out unfortunately, oh. and uh, this is what you got: savage amusement. Yeah, you know, you could make NFTs the those days. You could have had the first NFTs, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have a little uh, we have a little thing called important to to hopefully you come up with something great that reflects the music on the album, you know, and uh, it was always uh, something that means a lot, you know, and in the early days, of course, uh, provocation was part of the game where the yeah. record company says, we got to go for this, you know, yeah. and this is like, geez, this is, you don't want to show your folks at home this one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, sex sells. Wasn't that the, wasn't that the famous line in, in Spinal Tap? Sex sells or something like that? Yeah. We have a little, we have a little uh, section that sometimes we vacillate back and forth between fact or fiction and, or, or maybe never let the truth get in the way of a good story, as my boss Alice Cooper would say. But one of those concerns, the questions I have for you concerns the album cover Blackout. Now, is this a fact or fiction? Guitarist Rudolf Schenker is the man with the forks in his eyes on the 1982 Blackout album cover. Now, is that Rudolf Schenker? Because those forks freak me out. He's it's not. It's fiction. It's not. Wow. Who was it then? 
it's a self-portrayal of the guy who did this wonderful artwork, Gottfried Helmwein. That's you know? Gottfried. Okay, okay. And it looked a little bit similar. You know, we went to some exhibition and Rudolf came uh, dressed up like Helmwein, you know, with a bandage and a fox in the eye, you know, and, and at the time, Rudolf with his beard, you know, and people were coming to Rudolf saying, oh, Mr. Helmwein, you know, can we have your autograph? And, and Gottfried was standing next to us saying, I'm Helmwein. <laughs> I got the, I'm the one with the forks in my eyes. No, but that self-portrait of him, because I thought it might have been a half factor fiction, a half truth, because I thought that Rudolf uh, did dress that part for one of your music videos as well at one point. Yeah, he did for, we did an, uh, a video for No One Like You on the beautiful Alcatraz Island in the San Francisco Bay. Nice. We stayed there the whole night shooting this video on relocation and it was fantastic. And Rudolf was dressed like the crazy guy smashing his guitar, you know, and totally <laughs> with the fox in the eyes and all that, you know. Yeah, a lot of people thought it's Rudolf. No, but it's fiction. He's not. I love it. Well, hey, you know what? Like I said, I could do a complete podcast on each decade of the Scorpions, but I want to keep things going really quick. So I'm going in a quick timeline, chronological order. Um, and so if you don't mind, everybody, if you're there in the chat, thank you so much for joining us on the In the Trenches podcast. We have Klaus Meina with us today, lead singer, front man. Um, of the iconic scorpions hit that subscribe button because it gets more eyeballs on our podcast and we really do appreciate it uh my name is ryan roxy i am your host and i saw that you had a few people that have worked over the years um the, the friends of ours that have been on the podcast already um i saw james michael you'd worked with him as well and then in the 2000s you'd worked with Desmond Child um, to release Humanity, Hour One. I, think, I believe that was in 2007. What was it like working with a, a songwriter like Desmond Child? I, it was different, you know. I, it was very LA-like, you know, uh, <laughs> taking care of everything, you know. So you had to have a personal trainer because it's not only that you have to come with your best performance ever that's one thing but to make sure that everybody and especially like i want to talk about myself that for the vocal performance he set me up with a vocal trainer you know for the very first time in my life and I, actually i enjoyed it very much so <laughs> i learned quite a few things and before i went to the session you know in the studio so i i i met my vocal trainer in his house somewhere in the valley in l.a and uh, then we had a personal trainer because Desmond thought being in a studio for like, let's say two months or even later, you know, shooting videos, you guys must look brilliant, you know, so you better work out three, four times a week, you know, so it was, it was totally different way of getting there, but very professional. And it was a lot of fun. Also, I remember working with uh, uh, our friend, not George Michael, but what's his name? James Michael. Yes. James Michael. Yes. And actually, he's he's a great guy, great singer, sure great artist himself. I, mm -hmm. I love him, James Michael. It was also great to work with Desmond and also with James, you know. It was a fantastic setup, you know, and to, to spend some time in L.A. Uh, 
it's always great, you know. You drive with your convertible, you know, to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the questions I'd ask because um, as far as all the core members, all the guys that have been in there for the long haul of the Scorpions, uh, other than your drummers that you've had over the years, because I remember uh, when – I first did that tour with you back in 96 um, with my first tour with Alice Cooper and it was with, with, with Scorpions. I think it was James Kotek's first tour as well uh, during that year. And he is an LA guy, no doubt. Now Mickey D is a, now I'm in living in Sweden. Mickey D is a Swedish guy. He lives, he lives in Sweden. Your drummers seem to not live, you know, uh, in Germany, but you guys have all stayed rooted pretty much in Hanover. Is that, is that, uh, is there a reason for that? Or is it just because, wait, I got places all over the place. I can go wherever I want. No, I think it's because in all those years, we've been constantly all over the world. You know, we, we, we played this global stage for such a long time that coming back home, uh, it's like you reconnect with your roots, you know? You'll be with your loved ones, you'll be with your family and friends, you know? And that has been always a good and very important thing for us, you know, in order to reload your batteries again, and then you go out and hit the road and, and do what you do. and. Uh, Coming back home, you know, this is something you cannot buy. You know, it's like family and friends. And this is what we, we did all those years. Uh, and still to this day, at the same time, we live in Los Angeles. We stay in beautiful hotels and spend a lot of time there. You know, we were on the road in everywhere, every continent, you know, and uh, I think would have uh, lately said, you know, it's the, the Metallica guys, they, they figure out when they get some offer from some far out places, did the Scorpions play there? Yeah, they did. Okay, then we can go as well. <laughs> you guys are the, you guys are the, uh, the crash test dummies for, for yeah. is that, is that, is that place safe? Is that, well, there had to have been some Places that you guys have played over the years that have been security risks. Can you go yeah. back to a can you go back to a place or a time when you could said, Oh my god, should we be playing this or or is this safe? Now, now in April we go back to South America, you know, and we're we're very excited to go back and play places like Bogota, uh, Manaus in Brazil, Sao Paulo, Buenos Aires, Santiago de Chile, you know, and a couple more places. And uh, to go to Amazonia, to go to, you know, a place like Manaus, yeah, it's, you're always a bit scared, you know, because of all the little insects flying around. You have to, some of you guys have to have vac vaccination. Yes, you yes. Know? So some people don't, some have. I remember that when we played there last time, uh, I, had, I had a shot before we got there. But I think Rudolf and Matthias, they, they came in, they tried to work their way through without being vaccinated, right? And Matthias was wearing something like, uh, I don't know what it's called, when you-, you A net, some sort of net. Like a net, like when you, like a, a stock with bees, where bees fly around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So it, it looked really funny, you know, but it worked. And Rudolf, he had some rasta locks hair, you know, <laughs> hanging down. And when he was on stage, he was playing like this, you know, and flying around to move the insects away, you know. <laughs> I wasn't worried so much about the, the, the bugs and, and the spiders and the snakes. I'd be yeah. more worried about the political revolutions and the civil wars because you guys have played all so many different countries. And I guess like, like what Metallica says, you guys are the pioneers of touring. And, you know, what can you can you remember what country you've played that you've thought was like the most remote and like how are people how do people know about Scorpions music here? I mean, we played in the highest stadium, like in in uh, Bolivia, you know, in La Paz, wow. you know, and uh, that's a pretty far out place there. I mean, it's part of South America and fantastic fans. They loved our music, but the air is pretty thin up there, you know, when you go and play concerts, like in Mexico as well, you know, but La Paz is, is pretty tough, you know, so you have to use... Uh, drink uh like a special tea that brings brings your blood pressure 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 mm -hmm. in the right uh place uh it's it's very tough to play there and put out like a really powerful show but we did mm -hmm. i mean we've been on the road between moscow and 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 uh all the way to vladivostok and back you know so <laughs> it's it's like crazy and uh yeah and in 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 the jungle we went to see like uh some people who live really near manaus in the jungle near the amazon river the rio negro when you really go deep in there and they invited us uh to have lunch with them and it was like on the grill was crocodile you know <laughs> and uh, at the same time you see some indian people there living there in the jungle Indigenous, and the same yeah. way you fly to Sao Paulo with millions of people, you know, it's fascinating. It must, it must just be a trip. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Great things. Trip and being in a band. And uh, so for all our lives, it's you really get to see the world, you know, mm -hmm. and you really can feel the power of music. And maybe it's because we're a German band, you know, but we feel wherever we go, we say we bring guitars, we bring love, you know, we're Germans, you know, we have a German passport, but, but at the same time, we're world citizens and yeah. we try to build bridges with people in different cultures wherever we go around the world. And that's beautiful, especially in these challenging times, you know, so you can bring people together in a peaceful way. Well, definitely you are world ambassadors of hard rock, rock and roll, heavy metal, whatever genre you want to call it. I'd say the whole big rock genre. You guys are definitely international ambassadors. It must trip you out to be some guys from Germany that form a band, write your songs in English, then perform them in a place like Bolivia where they sing them back in some sort of form of English. And, and, and it does, when I say the word ambassador, I'll go back to this fact or fiction thing because there is a uh, conspiracy theory about being uh, the song that just 
congratulations, by the way, received a billion views on YouTube. You were part of the Billion View Club on YouTube. Uh, the song, of course, is Wind of Change. Now, is this fact or fiction, Klaus? Is it true that the CIA was involved in the writing of the song? It's fiction. Fiction. All right. All right. <laughs> Why would people think that the CIA would co-write? You've already worked with James Michael. You've already worked with, <laughs> you've worked with all these great, uh, with these songwriters over the years. Why would the CIA help out on that song? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a Desmond Child song, put it that way. <laughs> because we, we wrote a song or I wrote a song in that case, you know, because I'm a musician, I'm an artist, you know, and, uh, I put my heart out in this one, uh, but I guess the CIA would have write it to change the world, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have definitely helped out the world with your music, no doubt about it, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I know that... Uh, we are approaching on a time zone, a time sort of frame. Like I said, I could sit here and talk with you all day, but with your voice, you need to save it. You probably have more interviews going on. Plus you're getting ready for the 2023 rock believer tour. Um, where does this kick off this year? And are you ex just as excited as you were back in 72 when that first album came out to go back, to go on that bus and get out and tour? Yeah, it's still very exciting, you know, to go back on the road again, especially when you go to places where you've never been before. So this tour, the Rock Believer tour in April, starts with a gig in El Salvador, you know. So I can't remember. I guess we never played in, in Central America. And uh, so this is pretty cool. And this will be the first show, I think, in April uh, before we go to Bogota, we go to Manaus, like I said before, to a couple more places in Brazil. And uh, so with the Monsters of Rock together, for a couple of shows we do together with our friends from KISS. <laughs> and we'll be on the bill as well. So it's, it will be a great package, the Monsters of Rock. And then when we come back home, uh, we keep going in France. We play finally in Germany, do a couple of shows here in our home country, including our hometown. <laughs> we haven't played for quite a long time. Okay. And uh, we play in Berlin and uh, a couple more places. And then we go to Poland and uh, to Stockholm, actually. Uh, we are also, I think, in June in Stockholm. And then I might run into you. Yeah. Well, hopefully that might be a time when I'm transitioning down to South Africa. But but if I'm definitely if I'm in town, I think I don't I think Alice has some Hollywood vampires dates. We're we're starting our tour in April right now. And then then it's it's going to be uh, also some Alice Cooper va Hollywood vampire dates. But then we're doing some stuff with Motley Crue and Def Leppard, uh, some stadium stuff a little bit in the uh later of the year and then doing some stuff with Rob Zombie. But it would be such a pleasure to cross paths with you somewhere on this road or maybe jump on one of those tours because it sounds like it's a super filled fun year. And it would be great, you know. So it seems April is a good good month to start touring again, right? Yes, exactly. Have a nice break. And right now uh, we started doing interviews, you know, for, for South America, and for the tour in, in, in the summer. And uh, feels good to... Such a special, 
the game. Yeah. And you we have special you have special audiences all over. Like you say, your relationship with Greek fans, your relationship with Russian fans, your relationship with European fans, obviously in American, uh, but South America is definitely something very special as well. Yes, I mean, you can imagine that all those places in Eastern Europe, you know, like Bulgaria, Romania, the Baltic States, and of course, the Ukraine, you know, we're waiting for the day where the wind hopefully will change again and we can play the Ukraine again, you know, so yes. we're waiting for the wind to change. Let's hope. You know what? That falls into a little bit of our hot topics. I know I just have a couple minutes more, so I want to get into a hot topic. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in right now. Our guest today has been Scorpion's frontman of the iconic uh, band Scorpion's frontman, Klaus Mina. And I think I've been practicing the pronunciation of that word. I think I've gotten it right. Pretty much close. Yeah, no fiction there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So our hot topic about retirement, because a lot of people um, lately have been unable to uh, continue touring. And it seems as though for years, fans have been specula speculating when some of these monsters of rock, as you say, like, like, like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Scorpions, Alice Cooper included, uh, will retire. Uh, none of them have. Uh, unfortunately, Ozzy had to, and he just made that release uh, statement just last week. That, that's why it's one of our hot topics. But um, is it simply, Klaus, best for the band members not to know about the timing of retirement and leaving the future instead? Or do you guys, you know, do you feel that your fans sh should know that this is going to be the last one? Or how do you approach that? I think that's really a tough question, you know. So we've been through this process once, 10 years ago, where we thought maybe this is, should be the last album. Maybe it's about time to retire. We, we are, go back on the road for another two, three years, whatever, and then it's about it. But when we really tried to do it, then we learned so fast while we were still out there that, I mean, it, it was impossible to do. It was really impossible. And we never brought this up again. And I know there, there might be a lot of people that were pretty much pissed off because you say you retire and then you don't, you know. Yeah. You guys have been retiring for almost 30 years now, so don't even worry about it. <laughs> you know, but but then on the other side, we're, we're not applause junkies, you know. I think we have a deep connection with our fans around the world. And as long as there is a demand for the band to go out and play concerts, I think to make an album like we did with Rock Reliever, really like the old fashioned way, it shows that there's still a lot of passion for the music. There's still a lot of passion for what we do. And to give the fan community, give them something we hope that hits the, them right there in their hearts, you know. And uh, so at this point, of course, we don't need to make another record. And But we said, let's do this album. If it's for the last time, it's for the last time. But you never know. Maybe mm -hmm. there are two more albums in, the, in your system. Maybe not. You don't know what's going on. Uh, maybe what's waiting for you around the corner. You know, as long as we're healthy, 
as long as we enjoy what we do, you know, nobody is thinking about retirement and it still feels so damn good, you know. That's the great attitude, Klaus. That is an amazing attitude to have. In fact, there's so many thanks that I have to have for this episode of uh, In the Trenches. There you go, Klaus. Thank you very much, Rumi. He was asking how... Um, go put that question back up again, Vic, please. Um, he was asking a question that we had uh, from Rumi that said, uh, how Matthias Japs uplifted the band when he joined yeah. all those years ago. Absolutely. I mean, when Matthias joined the band... Uh, in 88, in, in 78, 79, before we came to America for the very first time, you know, of course he uplifted the band because we became more of a unit, you know, with, I mean, the, the Uli John Roth years, uh, when Uli John Roth was our lead guitarist, it was also a special chemistry and, and artistically, musically, it worked out very well to have these two roads in one band, you know? But when Matthias joined, those two roads became one highway, you know? And uh, from there on, uh, touring America. And that that's when we also from uh, the songwriting and how we presented the Scorpions, it was just, we were all speaking with one voice, yeah. you know? So it was a very important, moment when Matthias joined the Scorpions. With all on the same page and, and you guys rocked as a unit. Obviously you have. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Klaus. I, there's so many other people to thank on this uh, past episode. I want to thank Federica for promoting it as well and her questions and its con uh, contributions to the script. Um, of course, Vic Chalfont, our illustrious producer that is on In the Trenches. Thank you every um, all for all these great photos and as well as Joey. And who has who helped put this whole thing together? He's one of our executive producers, and one of his comments was, "Will you promise here and now to make more amazing albums like Sting the Tail and Rock Believer in the decades to come? They sound incredibly fresh. They're staying true to the Scorpions' way, and it seems like you guys have much more gas in the tank for the future." Yeah, I mean, Gas in the Tank was one of the first lyrics I wrote for this album. And Rudolf was in Thailand at the time. I have sent him the lyrics saying like, hey, come on, come on, buddy, give me a dirty riff, my friend. There's got to there's be some more gas in the tank, you know, <laughs> waiting for some cool killer riffs coming back, you know. And he did, you know, it was so inspiring to this time to work the other way around where the lyrics were first. And then the music, you know, so it was very inspiring for for both of us, you know. And uh, yeah, there is, it looks like there is still more gas in the tank. And, uh, you know, but we also realize that the way the road ahead is shorter than what's uh, left behind us, you know. So that, therefore, we really appreciate, we really appreciate, we are grateful that we still do what we do, that we still can live our dream and the dream still goes on, you know, and we're very grateful for that. And I, and I see that when you guys play live, cause I experienced this live uh, myself when we played that show together in, um, in Greece, you guys stick a lot to the same arrangements and you stick to the same sort of 
feelings in the parts of the of the songs that you have for all these years where some bands go off and they do different versions of it uh and and, and they'll kind of change everything due to you know just over familiarity but what is it is that part of the scorpions way of staying true to the original songs and staying true to the spirit yeah we try to stay true with the spirit you know I remember that Carlos Santana invited Rudolf and me on stage in Las Vegas, you know, and we jammed with Carlos, Rock You Like a Hurricane. <laughs> that was a very that different. Was a little different. That must have been a little different. <laughs> oh, but we, we tried to stick to the arrangements, but sometimes, yeah, we, we, we're open-minded, you know, to, to change little things uh, around the songs, but uh, it on a long tour, it just feels good to know what you do and you really want to deliver and you want to put on a great show, you know. And I mean, we're not so much of a band that's that's uh, yeah, that's jamming around, you know. And let's see, tomorrow we try this, and the other day we do this. You we have try, a set list, and that's try, what it is. Yeah. We try to find the great set, you know, and make it work that with the classics and with the big hits, we also can present new material, new songs for our fans. Yeah. I, we, we, you know what? It sounds very similar to Alice because, because of all the, the, the parts in the show that are choreographed with like, you know, the monster coming out or the guillotine being rolled out in the stage. We have to have a certain set list that kind of follows suit. There's one or two places where you can switch it up, but I always tell fans if they want to see, you know, all the rough edges come to the first couple shows of the tour. Cause that's where we're working out, you know, what the set's going to be like, but once it's there, it's pretty much, you know, you got we we feel that we have our our set that delivers to the fans night after night. This is the best way to present the song, or the way the set works between the hard rocking stuff and the classics and some ballads. You know, it's it's a fine line. You have to find the the right the right way to present the whole show. And you know, we have so many so many uh, LED walls with great some great content there, but. That's all. That's the, in the big picture. But the most important thing is the the feeling, the vibe, and the togetherness with our audience, with our fans. And we want them to leave and go out back to reality life and say this was a fantastic night. We really enjoyed rocking out with the Scorps. And yeah, they're getting a little older, but. Uh, yeah, there's still some gas in the tank. <laughs> there's still some gas in the tank. Well, Klaus Meina, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to be in the trenches. Everybody that's been watching and listening to us on the In the Trenches podcast, thank you so much. Make sure you like and subscribe so we can continue to have more rock and rollers out there. Right. Yes. I'd like to say thank you to all the folks that are putting questions in. You know, I can see on the bottom of the screen here. You know, I'm sorry I couldn't answer all of you, you know. Uh, but uh, I'd like to say thank you so much for all of you watching. And again, yeah, wind of change, one billion, what can I say? What a milestone. I'd like to say all those fans around the world, you know, watching that song and making this milestone on YouTube happening. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Love well, hopefully, 
Well, hopefully Klaus will be able to cross paths sometime in 2023. There's all the uh, social media. All you have to do is, you know, just put in Scorpions. It's going to come out. But at Scorpions on all your uh, social media platforms or at the-scorpions.com, you can see all the tour dates. And again, I, I can't thank you enough. I can't thank everybody enough for, for being a part, helping put this podcast together, making it happen. Uh, you know what, Klaus? I always ask people, especially icons like you, what's word, a piece of advice that's helped you throughout the years get through, um, you know, all the, the tough times and maybe persevere uh, to where you are today that help that you can pass on to our listeners that help you, uh, just through life, basically. Do you have a yeah, saying? Just uh, believe in yourself, you know. When you're starting out, no matter what people saying, just believe in yourself and follow your heart, you know. And everything is possible. Anything is possible, you know. You just got to believe in yourself. And come on, pick up a guitar, take the <laughs> mic, shout out, pour your heart out, and write a song, you know, and live a life of an artist and and take a deep dive in your creative words and uh, live your life and not let anybody tell you what to do. So just believe and follow your heart. Believe in yourself. I love it. Klaus Meiner, thank you for being on In the Trenches. And everybody, thanks for watching and listening. Until next time, everybody, I'm Ryan Roxy. Enjoy the ride. See ya. Thanks, Thank you. Trenches with Ryan Roxy.